Uh, good morning. I want to start um, a little different than normal um, this morning. Um, the song that we just sang um, says, Rich and poor, God, I want you more than anything that glitters in this world. Be my all, all-consuming fire. And we're going to talk about idolatry this morning. Um, and it's going to hit at the core of who you are. So I just want to prepare you for that. If you are alive in here this morning, if you're breathing in here this morning, you have idols that are waging war against your soul right now. And uh, so what I want to do as we start is, will you join me in asking the Lord to root those out? To maybe open our eyes to see that the idols in our lives are destructive, but that we have a God who wants to and has defeated them. So let's do this. Let's close our eyes for a second, and uh, I'm just going to ask you to pray. And, and I don't know what it looks like. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, but maybe just pray in your heart something along the lines of, Father, reveal to me the idols that are in my heart. God, show me areas in my life where I'm buying into lies. Show me areas in my life where I'm pursuing pleasure in something other than Jesus. God, would you give us victory this morning? We have the victory in you. And God, as we talk about idolatry, would you expose our hearts? Would you show us the truth of the gospel? Um, we love you. We ask you to be here. We invite you into this place. It's in your powerful name I pray, amen. And we're in a series called Gospel in Life. Um, and I want to recommend a book um, Counterfeit Gods by Tim Keller, incredibly powerful book that dives so much deeper into the topic of idolatry than the study that we're in, the study that we're doing in community groups, as well as what I'm going to do here this morning. And so that's a resource that I would, I would commend to you. Um, I want to define idolatry to start. Um, there are many people who last Friday had many of their idols destroyed in a tornado. Um... And their lives are a wreck. And you know what? I'll, I'll be the first to, to say um, that I testify that people have told me it's a good thing what God is doing in the midst of craziness. Um, but but here's, some, here's a, two definitions that Keller puts out um, in his book um, of idolatry. Check these out. Anything more important to you than God? I mean, we could stop right there and just like cry, Right? Um, anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything that you seek to give you what only God can give you. He also says a counterfeit God or a false God is anything so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. It has such a controlling position in your heart that you, can, uh, that you can spend most of your passion and energy, your emotional and financial resources on it without a second thought. Now, now here's the deal. We all have passions. 
Like we could go around the room and we could say, what, what is it that amps you up? What is it that fires you up? We could probably all list a ton of things. And if they're not sinful things, if they're good things, what happens is, is we take these things that like are good things and we make them ultimate. We make them supreme and they become a God in our life. And that's what we're going to begin to look at. Um, Romans chapter 1. Um, if you're not there, go ahead and turn there. Um, Paul, in Romans chapter 1, is addressing the core sin issue of the human race. Idolatry. In Romans chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 18. It says this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so that we are without excuse. Um, Let's define the purpose of life for a second. got to grab my water here. Let's define the purpose of life. Um, people have been asking for all of time, why do I exist, right? People have been seeking out this question, what is the purpose of man's existence? Um, the Westminster Confession of Faith would propose the purpose of life is this, and this might sound familiar. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Th- think about that. Man's chief end is to glorify God. Now, we're like, well, yeah, you know, I've been in church a long time. We're supposed to glorify God. We don't really know what that means, but we're, we're supposed to do it, okay? And enjoy Him forever. So he, here's the thing. The, the things that are in our life, the, the, the possessions we have, the, the relationships we have, um, the job we have, kids, what, what, whatever's in our life, there's a reality that God wants those good gifts that he gives to be the stage in which we make him famous. So I don't care if you're, if, if you're an artist. I don't care if you're an athlete. I don't care if you push buttons on a machine all day long in a factory. I don't care if you do landscaping. I don't care if you sit at home and labor and fight for your kids' souls Everything you do is a platform that you're on seeking to make the name of Jesus famous. But what's happening in Romans 1 is people aren't doing that. And the consequence is for the wrath of God is revealed against what? People who aren't doing that. People who aren't seeking to make him famous in the way they live their life. But what they're doing is they're suppressing the truth is what it says. Which means what? It doesn't mean that they're changing the truth about who God is. But they're taking the truth about who God is and really just pushing it away. You can't change the truth of who God is. But you can begin to ignore it and suppress it and push it away. Um, Paul writes in Colossians about this idea of the wrath coming. He says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Now, 
I'll ask this question. Why do, why do we do missions? Why has the church for hundreds of years done missions? Because the wrath of God is coming, right? Why do we go out as a church and engage our community and seek to bring the gospel to this community? Because the wrath of God is coming. John Piper says this, missions exist because worship doesn't. People don't worship God. So you know what? Once we get to heaven, we don't need missions. We don't need to go tell people about, we don't need to share the gospel with people. Because the only thing that will exist is worship. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Now, look in your Bible for a second. Look at verse 18. And if you're an underliner, um, or I like click on your iPhone and highlighter, whatever that looks like, um, Underline that word, ungodliness. I want you to think about this word for a second in its connection to idolatry, because here's what ungodliness means. It means living without regard to a religious belief or practice. Now, now, right now in this moment, we're thinking, well, yeah, I got a friend that's, you know, doesn't know the Lord, is ungodly. Um, I know this person. Like, we immediately think about, like, outside the church. But the truth of the matter is, any time we swing to and point to find pleasure in anything to make ultimate, more than Jesus, what we're doing is we're living ungodly. We're ignoring the reality of the belief we have in Jesus and the practice of that belief. Ungodliness. Idolatry. Look at verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Now, this idea of knowing God, um, it's different from like the knowing in John 17, 3 that says this is eternal life, that you know him. Okay, the Bible uses this know that literally carries a connotation of intimacy between a husband and a wife, intimacy between a holy God and his people through through the cross. Okay, but this is just more of a belief in his existence, that he is, that he exists, and, and it says they, they didn't honor him as God. Okay, so instead of acknowledging that he is who he is, instead of acknowledging him as God, what happens is their thinking became perverted. Okay, and they begin to, to, to sink into idolatry, which is the pursuit of their own pleasure and joy in themselves, apart from an eternal God. And this, this idea of futile thinking is directly connected to idolatry, oftentimes in the Old Testament. In Ezekiel, the prophet um, said this in Ezekiel 14 about idolatry. So, Son of man, these, these men have taken their idols into their hearts and set the stumbling block of their iniquity before their faces. Okay, so... A lot of times, our minds naturally want to go to idolatry being like these crazy statues like in Africa. Like, like naturally, that's when we think of idols, that's where our minds go. But we learn from the prophet Ezekiel that, that it's something that we can actually take and put within our heart. So it's not even necessarily like a physical substance, because it'd be really hard for me to get this chair in my heart. And if I did, someone else would have to come up and fill in for me. I won't do it. That'd be, that'd be bad. But what is it saying? It's saying that idolatry can be anything that you exalt above 
the Lord. And if you jump down to verse 5 in Ezekiel 14, it says, that I may lay hold of the hearts of the house of Israel who are estranged from me through their idols. Now, let me define idols for you. You ready for this? Ezekiel, a prophet, used this word idol some 40 times, and it literally means, I forgot, dung pellets. Serious. Like, I I was like, this thing's got to be wrong. Like, it literally means dung pellets. Like, the prophets would use words that carried weight to really hit home with what they were trying to communicate. Would you agree with me that that really hits home with the truth of it? It's the same thing Adam and Eve did in the garden, right? God said, here's what I have for you. Here's the joyful life I have for you. And they're like, I think we're going to do our own thing. I think we're going to disregard you. I think we're going to pursue dung pellets. Verse 22. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Here's what I want to do. I want to show you three ways in this passage where an exchange is happening. Three different types of idolatrous exchange Okay, and the first one we see in this passage is this, that it's an exchange of wisdom for foolishness. Okay, because if you look back in the verse, it says what? Claiming to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the reality of what? Think about this. Eternal, infinite, extreme, um, uh, eternal God who is in the heavens, who doesn't need anything, who is supreme. Nah. Eternal joy. Nah. I think I'm going to um, go after mortality. I think that'd be a better pursuit. Like that's, that's what it's talking about. And this is what we do all the time. We pursue vain things all the time. And we, we, we push God away all the time. They exchange wisdom for foolishness. It's what Adam and Eve did. They said, I know better. I I can conjure up a way of life that that makes more sense than the one who created life. But here's what's interesting. Proverbs says, whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. So, if you're really, like, smart, or you think you're really smart... You have to be very careful. If you're a pretty confident person, you have to be very careful because the danger is that if you trust in your own mind, you are a fool. What it goes on to say, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. So what's wisdom? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? So pursuing the Lord is where we find wisdom. Rather than feeling like, I know how to interpret life. I know how to map my own course. I can play the part of God. You remember that story I told a couple weeks back about my daughter wanting to run ahead in the grocery store and kind of map the course and kind of look back and be like, Dad, you with me? Dad, you with me? And how we do that with God, we run ahead. As long as we check and make sure he's still with us, we're, we're leading the ship. That's what it's talking about. 
Proverbs 18 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinions. Are you an opinionated person? Anybody opinionated in here? All those that are looking down. It says, uh, you got to be careful. But only in expressing his opinions. When, uh, I taught middle school and high school Bible for five years. And one of the things I faced all the time, and this isn't just in, uh, you know, in that generation, um, but one of the things I faced all the time was we'd open up the scriptures and we'd begin talking and, and they would automatically want to bring their opinion to the table. Well, I think that da-da-da-da, and this can't really be true because what I think, and I, you know what I said to him? I, I looked him in the eye and I said, I don't freaking care what you think. This is what the Bible says. And we come, we come to issues of Scripture, and I'm not saying we remove any sense of logic or any sense of thought out of the Scriptures and we just take it for what it is and kind of just, you know, hope that's, you know, by faith, we'll just believe, like, no, we should think deeply about the Lord, but when it comes to matters that like this, the Bible is the authority. It's what it has say. And it should trump our opinion about things. Because Proverbs also says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. So, let me give you an example of this. To put things in perspective regarding this issue of idolatry, um, or what could potentially become idols, um, many, many of us have physical things that we really enjoy. Um, we have uh, gifts that we're given, electronics, uh, Movies, phones, we, we have these different things that, that a lot of times, if we're not careful, can become an idol. And we pour a ton of energy into these things. Okay, and I was thinking about this. Um, I don't think there's anyone here that doesn't know about Rick and Jen's house being crushed by a tree. Um, like, three weeks before that happened, there were a ton of us that were in that house redoing the floors... I mean, hours, days, took a week, painting, putting trim up, put all this energy into it. You know what their contractors told them? Said, yeah, the floor has some water damage. We'll probably have to buff it out and and redo it. All right, better them than us again. But but think about that, okay? Like, I'm, I'm a perfectionist, and, um, I used to be anal retentive, but thank the Lord brought me out of that. Um, so, I pay attention to detail, and you know what? A lot of times that detail, while it's good, it's silly, because you can pay so much attention and work so hard, and we should, and we're glad we did, and in no time it's gone. So that just gives us perspective about where, is our pleasure in this earth? Is our pleasure in this world? Because if it is, we're going we're gonna to lose it. Verse 24, therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So the first one was exchanged from wisdom to foolishness. The second one is an exchange of truth to falsehood. 
Okay, notice in verse 25 where it says, they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Okay, so rather than the things in life being a means to knowing and loving and worshiping the creator God, in the midst of focusing on stuff, we push out the one who provides. So rather than that platform being the platform that is supposed to make much of Jesus, it becomes a platform where we're like, I got myself up here. And all of a sudden, God's out of the picture. It's idolatry. It's believing this lie that Jesus isn't enough and that I need to do something on my own apart from him to find pleasure in life. Um, the philosophical term for idolatry would deal with, with something that you get your identity from. So maybe it's a job, and in your job, you find your identity, and you find your worth. And so when you're not at work, when you're at home, like you're a lousy husband, or you're a lousy friend, or you just sit on the couch because you're not doing your job, because that's where you find your identity. Or if it's a bad day at work, then it's a bad day at home. Okay, whatever it is for you, where do you find your identity from? Let's think theologically. A lot of times idolatry is something that we pursue in hopes that we will be righteous. Or we feel as if, you know, if I am a good father, then God is going to be happy with me, and my righteousness is upheld before the Lord, and he is pleased with me. What, What is it for you? In 2 Peter chapter 1, it says that His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Okay, think about this. Think about the invitation that that verse just called us to. Okay, it, it, beginning of Romans said that the wrath of God is coming to anyone who ignores the reality of God's divine nature. Second Peter says that God invites us into his divine nature. He invites us to be a partaker of what? His divine nature. Of his great and precious promises, namely that come through the gospel, that come through the work of the cross to redeem our lost and wicked selves having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So, we believe these lies. We buy into these lies. Listen to this quote by Keller. He says, why do we lie? You ever thought about that? Me neither. Um, Why do we lie or fail to love or break our promises or live selfishly? Of course, the general answer is because we are weak and sinful. But the specific answer is that there is something besides Jesus Christ that we feel we must have to be happy. Something that is more important to our hearts than God. Something that is enslaving our hearts through an inordinate desire. Through an extreme, unhealthy desire. We feel we must have to be happy. Nice car, approval of man, 
um, people like me. Respectable. They enslave us. They draw our, they revert our attention off of who Jesus is as opposed to being a means to knowing him. Verse 26, for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see it fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Here's the third thing, the third exchange from God's design to man's design. When I was in college, um, it was my first year at uh, Hannibal LaGrange University, and um, I was transferred in, so I was a sophomore. And my uh, guy just down the hall, his name was Jimmy. Uh, became one of my best friends. Um, I was roommates with Kyle, the guy who goes here, and um, we were hanging out in our dorm. And Jimmy walks down and starts talking with us, and we kind of get to know him. And, and uh, you know, he starts asking us about our walk with the Lord. Like, you know, how are you guys doing? Like, you know, and, and he specifically says, so, you know, how's your time in the Word? Jimmy was a Bible student like I was, and, and I think, like, Kyle and I were both like, you know, it's, it's been all right, like, you know, it hasn't gone so well, and, and you know what Jimmy did? He, he grabbed his Bible, and he opened up to Romans 1, and he read what we just went through, and, and he got to the end of it, and he said, and since they did not see it fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And like, I think I like, just met this guy. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, like, kind of looking at Kyle and like, you know, kind of hanging my head. And he's just like, it was, it was kind of a joke, but it was kind of serious. You know, nobody here knows Jimmy, but maybe a couple, and you get what I mean when I say that. But, and I'll come back to that in a second, but there's an exchange from God's intended design, which in this, in this context... One example of that is sex and how it's used and how it works between a man and a woman in the context, we know from Scripture, other places in Scripture, of marriage. Okay? So, but, but if, if we take it in an overall perspective, what's God's design? Well, we just learned from Peter that it's to be partakers of his divine nature. That that's God's design for us. And that everything then comes under submission to who he is. But in our brokenness, we operate outside of that. We, we run from God's design intended purpose to our own. Which is why the scriptures are so huge. Because you know what the scriptures do? They show us how God designed life to function. So if we get away from them, then we begin to operate within our own framework. And it just, it just goes bad. That's why he gave us the scriptures. That's why Jimmy was like, hey, are you in the word? Because if not, you're, you're going to run from what God's intended design is. You're going to run to man-made design. You're going to suppress the truth and begin to ignore the reality of who God is. And you're going to run to idolatry. Now, 
I want you to look back at, at, at Romans 1. Here's the scariest part of this passage. As I was looking at this, do you know what it says, God's response to each of these, these idolatrous exchanges is? This, is? this is nuts. It says he gave them up to him. Three times. Verse 24, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity. Verse 26, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Verse 28, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. You know what? Sometimes we feel like God is absolutely killing us. But the truth of the matter is what? He's actually saving us. Because some of the very things that that we're begging God for, God, I need this, God, I want this, God, I want this. In reality, God's like, no, you don't. And by my grace, I'm not giving you up to this. So how do we deal with this? Three things. And they'll be quick. Dealing with idols. Number one, name them. Name them. Okay, so how do we name them? So here's a good question, a good statement. Life only has meaning. I only have worth if what? Fill in the blank. Your life only has meaning if what? You only have value and worth if You need to answer that question. And whatever you answer that question, that's a potential idol. Now that doesn't necessarily, like, if I lost my kids, I would maybe begin to think and question the hope of my life. That's a potential idol. Okay, that's the point of that statement. Here's the way Tim Keller puts it. What's your worst nightmare? What is your worst nightmare? It's a potential idol. Name your idols. Tell people. Ask other people. What idols do you see in my life? Job. Approval of man. Do you like to be in control? Your physical appearance? Marriage, kids, success, intellect, being comfortable... So anytime you go into a situation where you might be uncomfortable, like, I'm, I'm not just not going to do that. Name your idols. Repent of them. Ezekiel said, repent and turn away from your idols and turn away your faces from all your abomination. Repent. Beg God to forgive you of your pursuit of pleasure in anything but Him. Repent to someone else. But here's the deal. There's a third thing. And if we stop at number two, we're in trouble. The third thing is rejoice in Christ. Rejoice in Christ. A guy named Thomas Chalmers says, the heart is so constituted that the only way to dispossess it of an old affection is by the expulsive power of a new one. The goal isn't for you to defeat your idols. The goal is for you to run to Jesus. 
and live in his pleasure. And you know what? In the process, idols are going to be exposed. You're going to name them. You're going to repent of them. They're going to be defeated. But rejoice in Christ. Don't forget to rejoice in Christ. Because the very question that I started the whole thing with is why do we exist? The psalmist lays out rather clearly in Psalm 16 when he says, you make known to me the path of life. Like, I love this verse because people are like, what, what am I supposed to do with my life? Am I supposed to marry this person? Or am I supposed to have this many kids? Or am I supposed to buy this house? Or am I supposed to you know, get this job? I'm like, Psalm 16. It'll tell you. Just read it. Psalm 16, 11. It's, it's word for plain and simple. He makes known to you the path of life. What? In his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So what are you supposed to do? Run hard after him. That's the pursuit. That's the goal. He is our prize. He is our treasure. Name them. Repent of them. But don't forget to rejoice in Christ. Let's pray. Father, you are worthy of praise. You are good. And you are so gracious to us to so often not give us up to the desires of our flesh. God, thank you that your kindness is what leads us to repentance. God, thank you that you love us enough to not keep us where we are that you love us enough to, in this very moment, make our heart throb for the sin in our life because it's drawing us away from eternal pleasure in you. God, I reveal this in my own heart. God, forgive us where we run after idols. God, would you, by your power right now, make those idols so clear to us And give us the strength to name them, repent of them, and rejoice in you. It's in your powerful name I pray. Amen.